Welcome to episode number 111 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media, and today presented to you by our friends at SeatGeek, and I am awfully excited. I believe this is our first St. Louis, maybe our second one, because we did have Jack Flaherty on with Max Fried and Lucas Giolito, but it's nice to catch up with him in part because he's within 12 years of my age. That would be a three-time All-Star, a two-time World Series champion. Hello, Adam Wainwright. How's it going, guys? Just It's just me, you know guy oh how's it going guy it's going <laughs> it's going great man um, yeah, we we finally got hooked up we uh, it took us a minute to get connected there didn't it this is what happens when you get two guys that are over 40 including one guy that's over 50 trying to figure out technological wizardry these days yes man, oh, man. yeah that's exactly what the problem was the problem was me so i apologize glad we could finally get on here together glad we can make this work and and i love your hat yeah, well, I'm here to make everybody feel comfortable. So I need to um, work on the bill bend, though. we got to work on the bill bend. All right. I have to be honest with you. My 16-year-old, who's a decent third baseman, sophomore in high school, he has been yelling at me for years. He's like, Dad, you don't know how to bend the broom of a hat at all. Yeah. So now every new hat I get, he is responsible. He takes like a, um, like a big can or something like this and bends it around. Do you know? Do you have a better system? Well, yeah, I mean, I've got a great system for a fitted hat like that, too. But, I mean, it looks like you you let the, the kids in the Little League World Series from the, what is it, the Chinese Taipei that they just they do the, like, the yes. pyramid. It looks like you let them borrow it. Yeah, so this is a cool system that uh, somebody taught me when I was a rookie. That a fitted hat right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you wet it completely, soak it wet, you wrap it in a towel, and you put it in the microwave for 40 seconds comes out steaming piping hot and you got to kind of you know you got to wait a second so it doesn't burn your skin off but then once it cools down just a little bit you put it on and then you can shape the top just form fit it to your head however you want it and then you can bend the bill however you want it and then it'll stay like that so then you hang it up let it dry completely and then once it's there then it's there and you got it let's go cool. hold on i'm not getting got here are you because if i walk around and i'm putting hats in the microwave my wife who's already looking at me like i've you know, like I got six heads anyway. She's not going to be like, what are you doing? Make sure you soak it completely wet all the way through, in and out, bill and everything, and then wrap it in a towel, 40 seconds. Take my word for it. Okay, I'm in. Next next new hat I get, I am trying this. This is the Adam Wainwright special. Who taught you that, by the way? Man, I don't know. Might have been Braden Looper, but I, I'd, be, I'd be going out on limb. Good one. I love yeah. that. I love that. Um, You're joining us from one of my favorite cities in San Francisco, and I've been noticing you on Twitter. One thing you've been doing, although you haven't made it official, we're not going to talk about whether it was your last year or not. You have been doing these old man walks at the ballpark. I love what you're calling them, like day after pitching old man walks, where it seems like you are just taking in the ambiance and meeting people behind the scenes. How rewarding has that been for you? It's been incredibly rewarding and it's been so fun. I mean, you know what, this, this world is just, uh, there's so many things that are beautiful and uh, there's so many things that we could take so much enjoyment from if we just took a, just a little bit of time to acknowledge the beauty of it and the wonderfulness of it. And, and uh, you know, I've played in the big leagues for 17 years now, get to go to some of the coolest places in the world, get to play in some of the, the best venues in the world, get to play in front of sold out crowds and great cities. 
And I had never until about two years ago really taken in some of that vibe, you know I mean? Like, yeah, you, you get to go out there and play on the field, but you get programmed like you're a robot almost where you, you hotel, field, hotel, field, bus, plane, hotel, field, you know, and it's like you don't get to go out and see anything. And, and, and even especially where you, you're kind of programmed to have to go into the baseball field, we don't really sometimes take the time to, to really understand how cool that is. And so a couple of years ago, I started going on these, uh, you know, my body stopped recovering like it used to. So I can't, the day after I pitch, I, I used to just really crush it in the gym and run really far and hard. And, and I can't do that anymore. My body doesn't recover. So I started going on these, what I call day after pitching old man walks and, uh, you know, just kind of walk around the city. And then I thought, you know, there's so many places in these stadiums that I don't know about, you know, I know what the dugout looks like and the clubhouse looks like and the weight room looks like and the field looks like, and that's it. There's a lot of really cool places. And the first place, that uh, I ever did it was in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I just thought, you know what? I'm looking up there. I grew up watching these WGN Chicago Cubs games, Channel 14 with Harry Carey on the call. I look up there and I see, you know, his giant glasses in that plaque on the, on the side of the wall. And I said, I've never been up there. And, and I started thinking about it. And then there's an organ up there. I've never even been in the bleachers over mm-hmm. there. I've never sat in the stands. You know, I've never got to see kind of the underbelly of any of these places I spent. I need to start investigating some of these parks. So I uh, went to Wrigley, got up there in the press box, went up there and sat with the organ player while he played, um, take me out to the ball game and sat in Harry Carey's chair. And, and uh, this year I got to sit with Bob Euchre and call even a half an inning of a game during the, during the game and got to talk with him. And it's just really neat to see some of the inner workings of the stadiums. Every stadium is unique and different in its own way. You know, there's, there's uh, so many people behind the scenes of a baseball stadium that make it the, uh, the program go, but, but also like the unique sites. Like yesterday I'm in San Francisco and uh, I'm walking around and I walk out there on the, on the edge. I've never been up there on the top before and looked out over the, Covey Cove, I've never seen the, or the, sorry, the, the bay there and uh, see the bay bridge in the background. And, and uh, you know, you're just thinking, man, this is beautiful. There's a stinking boat slip right behind center field. Like what in the world? And then I got up there in the press box and uh, hung out with, with, uh, with the DJ for just a second. You know, you can't, you can't uh, spend too much time around those guys. They're working, but um he told me he was going to play a Nirvana song for me in, in the third inning, which he did, by the way. Um, but, you know, I like getting in there and seeing all the, I mean, the, the programming that goes in to like all the scoreboard functionalities and the, the every walk up song for the players, you know, I mean, I went in Miami, I went into, to the, to the control room and, and, you know, jazz Chisholm had a whole page on this computer just his walkout songs, you know, and they have to make sure they plug it all in. And there's guy, there's a guy in there that's like a maestro plugging, you know, pushing all this stuff. And I just think it's fascinating. You know, there's just been, it's been a, a really cool experience for me um, to get up there and see some of these things. And I'm really taking it in. And, 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 and I, you know, I just 20 years from now, I'm going to, I'm not going to look back and go, man, I wish I hadn't experienced so much stuff. You know, I'm going to say, man, I wish I had experienced more stuff. Yep. So you're doing this, you went up, in Wrigley during the game? No, I went up. I mean, I usually, I, I go up, uh, 
the day after I pitch, I, I go up there probably around, you know, two or so, two or three o'clock. Okay. And they just um, played a special rendition of take me out to the ball game for you. Yeah. He was just up there playing music. Got it. You know? And, um, and, uh, I did get to go in the, the in the Milwaukee game though. I, I was up there and I was talking with, with Mr. Euchre before the game and I just threw it out there. And I, you know, you get to a certain age, Chris, where you just, you know, people lose their filter at a certain age in life. You know, everybody's grandma and grandpa is like, oh, you look a little fat. You know, it just they're they have no filter. And I've kind of reached that point in the clubhouse a little bit where um, I'm kind of everyone's grandpa. And like if I see something, I'm, you know, might in love say something. But I've also reached the point where like I'm just going to throw stuff out there and ask for forgiveness if it doesn't work. And I said, Mr. Euchre, you know, it, it would be like a dream come true for me if I could sit up here and call a half a game or half an inning with, you know, but that'd be amazing for me. Cause you know, I don't know how many times, how many hundreds of times I watched major league one and two growing up on our summer baseball trips with the Savannah chain gang on our little church bus that we drove in, but it was hundreds. Yeah, it was hundreds. Harry Dole. That's right. Just a bit outside. I mean, how many quotes do you have for major league one and two? I mean, a gazil- kid from Cleveland, a gazillion of them, dude. A gazillion, exactly. So, um, and, you know, you hit a guy, a guy hits a ball out of the park. Oh, that's going in any park. Name one, Yellowstone. I mean, like all those, all those quotes from Major League One and Two. But, so to be able to sit up there, and, and, he, and he obliged. I went up there and sat with him, and we called the game together for a, for a half an inning and just listened to his voice next to me. It didn't even make sense. I mean, I couldn't even believe I was standing there, you know, sitting right there with with Harry Doyle, with, with, with the great Bob Euchre and, uh, the voice of my youth and one of the, the greatest voices in baseball history. So just some of the things that, that I've been able to do, um, because I just took a little bit of time to enjoy my surroundings has been really rewarding for me. I love that. So were you in full uni when you went up to see him? I was. <laughs> yes. Yep. Sure was. I was in full uni. Yep. I can only imagine when you get off the elevator, and somebody's looking at you like, you're really into this game, aren't you? <laughs> well, you know, the, the funny thing is I, I went up there and I was thinking, you know, I don't give really a hill of beans if, if my players, if my, if my teammates get mad at me because this is like a bucket list thing for me. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll apologize, whatever. And, the, and I started thinking about it like, yeah, this is just too cool to miss out on. And then I get back down the clubhouse. The first guy I see, forgot about one guy. Albert Pujols goes, Hey, what are you doing calling the game during the, you know, I'm like, Oh crap. I forgot about Albert. So uh, maybe you should have cleared it with him first, but uh, I was glad I did. It was fun. Did he at least give you a little pat on the back afterward and say, Hey, that's okay. Oh, he's awesome. He's the best. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you met him? Cause you, by the time you got traded over there, he was already in the big leagues, wasn't he? I mean, 2004 spring training was my first year with the Cardinals in spring. And, and, uh, Got to face him in a live BP. He had a double off me. I still remember it. He probably won't remember it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I remember first time facing him, meeting him, everything. The, the, actually, the, the very first time I ever – the very first person that I ever met when I walked into a Cardinals clubhouse in spring training was Lou Brock. Oh, and the very, first, the very first person, I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was just really cool. Uh, I walk in, and I – I put my baseball stuff down and I turn around and Lou Brock is standing right in front of me. And, um, you know, that's just a face and a, and a, a voice. Even if you didn't grow up a Cardinals fan, you just know who Lou Brock was, you know? And, and uh, I was like, Oh my goodness. Hi, Mr. Brock. 
And he uh, proceeded to introduce himself to me. And then he handed me a baseball. And he said, I want you to sign this for me. And I was like, I think you got this backwards, Mr. Brock. Like, what are you talking about? He goes, no, I think you're going to be really great. And I want your autograph. And that was such a validating moment for me. That was such a special moment for me. I walk in, the very first person I meet is one of the greatest players of all time. and He wants my autograph, which made me feel really special. And he might do that to everybody. I don't know. But that's something I'll never, ever forget. He, he, and he was just a, a wonderful person. That's great. So when you met Pujols, you know, you were this young guy who was a first-round pick of another team and gets traded over in a big-time trade. And Pujols is already established by that point in 2004. I mean, he's already the machine. What was it like hanging out with him? And was did it take a while to form a friendship? No, no. Albert and I bonded pretty pretty much right away. Um, he and I have a lot of like interests, um, like playing golf. And we, we like playing baseball. And we, we, we both are uh, – our worshipers of, of Jesus. And so we, we, you know, he and I clicked on a lot of different levels on and off the field, but um, great guy. And, you know, but at that point I only knew Jason Marquis. That was pretty much it. He came over with me from the Braves and Jason did a great job of sort of, cause he knew everybody from playing against him or whatever. He kind of did a great job of introducing me to everybody and kind of getting me into the different circles or whatever. Well, today's episode is once again presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. I want you to follow a few instructions, pick up your phone, Download the SeatGeek app, start shopping for your favorite baseball game, whatever sporting event, if you're into the NBA or NHL playoffs, if you're a music lover and you want to go to a concert, start shopping. Okay, so for instance, end of the week, we got the Phillies playing out here against the Dodgers. That's a great one. So they got all my tickets that are available. Okay, it shows you all the green dots. Green is good. If it has a red dot on it, it means eh, it's not great. So they actually do your homework for you. Not only do they show you where the seats are available and how much they cost, but whether or not you're getting a good deal. So once again, green, good, red, eh. So here we go. Download the SeatGeek app. Use the code word ROSE. You're going to get 20% off your tickets for your first order at SeatGeek. I am not only putting you in a great seat, I am saving you money on top of it. So go to whatever game you want to see. If you heard somebody that you love on the Rose Rotation, you're like, I am a huge fan of that dude. Go see him play some baseball. It is that simple. We'll see you. Seat Geek. Download it now. What about the first time you met Yachty? You competed against him, didn't you, in the minors? Yep, I did. I remember uh, 2003, he was playing for the Tennessee Smokies. I was playing for the Greenville Braves. He went one for three with a little soft liner up the middle on me. Um, he'd probably tell you it was a double off the wall, but it wasn't. It was a single <laughs> up the middle. Uh, but, you know, even back then, I can remember, he was my he was my catcher in 04 um, before he got called up in the, in the minor leagues also. But I, even back then, playing against him, you could see uh, – a different sort of defensive player. Like he was just, he moved different. He moved smoother and quicker. His arm was, his release was quicker. His throws were more accurate. He was blocking everything. Even from, you know, a very, very early age, he was, he was the best defensive catcher that anyone in our league had ever seen. Well, so now here you are basically setting records in terms of battery mates and, and wins to get and things of that nature. Were there ever times where he had to get after you like, dude, let's yeah. go. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to move this real quick. Um, yeah. In 2004, we were in AAA and uh, it was one of those games where, you know, no matter what he put down, I shook. I didn't want to throw that. And, and I was giving up a couple of hits and a couple of runs. And it was, this was a great teaching moment for me because I was dealing with a mechanical issue and, and uh, my body wasn't feeling great. And I was also trying to call all these things and all these pitches. And, and he pulled me aside um, between innings and he's like, Hey, you're shaking me off every pitch, no matter what I put down, what are you doing? And I said, well, I just, you know, I think I've got a game plan and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, your mechanics are off, right? Yeah. Your body doesn't feel good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. Okay, well, then let me call the game. You worry about all that other stuff. You control what you need to control to make the pitches that I call and let me call the game because I got a good idea of what's going on. And he got right in my face, you know, and, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't do that with me. Um, he probably hasn't done it since, honestly. But it was a real trust moment for me where I had to kind of let go a little bit. Uh, and, and since that moment, there's been probably 10 or 12 times through the years where I went to him and I said, hey, dude, I'm dealing with some stuff that you got it today. And uh, he calls every pitch, whatever. And I like to call my own games. But every now and then when I'm dealing with something or whatever, Yachty takes control. And I appreciate that so much. And, and, and Jose Akindo, our great coach from years past, and, and one of both of one of our mentors, Yachty and my mentors, Jose would come to me and he would, he was, Jose was just brutally honest, you know, which I respect so much. And he'd be like, Hey, you don't have it today. Let him call, you know? <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so it's been a couple of times where, where we did that also, but uh, it's, you know what, that's part of being in, on, in the team and, and trusting your guys. Um, and he trusts me too. You know, there's times where I shake and he puts it down again and I shake and he knows, all right, well, this guy's got a plan. And there's times where, I shake and he puts it down again and I shake again and he goes and he goes time. And then he just like, trust me. And I'm like, all right, let's start over. I trust you. And, and we did it last game. Actually, I called a pitch and uh, he, he kind of shook me off, calls time. And I said, you don't like it. And he goes, no. And then uh, we, I said, all right, circle back. And I wanted to see what he went. And then the, the, the here's the thing about for young pitchers, if you're listening, you should never throw a pitch unless you're hundred percent convicted in it. Never, never, never. Um, so don't just throw a pitch because he put it down and you're like, eh, I don't really want to, but I'll do it. When this happens, I have to reset my mind. I have to reset my focus where I say, all right, I'm hundred percent buying into what he is uh, putting down right here. And then you can throw the pitch with full conviction and it's going to be a lot better. It's awesome. Thank you. I, I'm sure our audience appreciates that. Um, and you've had a remarkable career. A couple of years ago, I thought it was going sideways, right? 2017 did not go the way you wanted. 2018, you came back. You were banged up. I think you only made eight starts or something like that. Your contract was up. Nobody would have begrudged you if you had said, hey, listen, I got four little girls at home. I don't think your son was here yet. Yep. Nobody would, would have thought... A second, if you had just said, hey, man, it's been a great run. I'm gone. Why did you come back? Uh, well, you're, you weren't wrong. It was going sideways, and it was going downhill bad and going downhill fast. Um, what happened was this all traces back to 2014, about midway through the season. I'm pitching against the Mets uh, at Shea Stadium. 
and or city field, whichever one it was at that point, probably city at that point. Yeah. And uh, it's like the seventh inning. I got a two hitter or one hitter. I got like 70 pitches. We're winning, I don't know, four nothing or three nothing. I'm just, just pitching really great. The whole season, I got like a one and a half a year. I'm just pitching really great. I've, I've never felt that great on the mound before. And I, uh, a guy, I, I throw a pitch, jam the hitter. He pops up like real kind of short between first and the uh, first base in the pitcher's mound. And I run over to catch the ball. And as I do, it's, it's pouring outside and I slip and I hyperextend my knee. And so I ended up coming out of the game after that inning and uh, I pitched and I kept pitching, but because my knee was hyperextended, I had to land slightly different. And so two or three starts later, uh, landing different and, and whatever, some pressure started happening on the backside of my elbow because I had to change my mechanics a little bit. And, uh, that season, at the end of the season, I end up having to get a little cartilage removed. And it all stems back from that one thing. When 17, I had another cartilage flare up that was really, I mean, every time I threw a pitch, it was bone on bone. You could hear it like mm. this. Every pitch, bam, bam, bam. And it got to a point where, uh, I mean, I grinded as much as I could, but it was not good. I mean, I was throwing, at one point, I was throwing like 80 miles an hour, you know, trying to figure out a way to get it to 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 work out 18 I came back and and uh somewhat healed it wasn't great same kind of thing bam 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 every pitch and it hurt my stomach every pitch it threw I threw it hurt my stomach and I did not want to play baseball anymore. it wasn't fun anymore it hurt so bad but I was under contract and I felt like I needed to go out and perform um, just to live up to what the Cardinals had, had had given me so much and I felt like I owed it to them well in my rehab, I go on the DL and on my rehab assignment, it stops recovering at all. It's just getting worse. And so I say, dude, like you said, it's been a good run, man. This isn't fun anymore. This hurts. Like I, I can't even pick my fork up without dropping it sometimes because it hurts so much. And I'm like, this is, I always tell myself, you know, when the game stops being fun or I stop being good at it, I'm out. It's been a great run, you know? Um, and it stopped being fun. And I stopped being good at it and it was, and I was hurt. So it's time to go. Right. So I shut it down for like a whole month and uh, I was just kind of, you know, keeping my body in shape, but I wasn't throwing at all because it just didn't, I mean, it hurts so bad. Well, my teammate Dominic Leone went on the deal and uh, he didn't have a throwing partner at home. The team was on the road. And so I picked the ball up and I just thought, you know, there's gotta be some kind of way for me to, throw this ball back to him without it hurting, you know, so bad. And so I, I, I literally started like, let me try to, I started like shot putting it like long top, like as long as I could make my arm in the back to get it to go back to him. And I was like, Oh, that's, you know, that's pretty, that doesn't hurt too bad. That, that's fine. That's fine. And so over the next couple of weeks thrown with Dom, we started to stretch back more and more and more and, and just adding up, I didn't have to go so far back, but just adding like another inch or two, on my arm swing in the back allowed me to get past whatever, whatever mechanical thing was going on my elbow. And I stopped feeling it so much and it just had like a little bit of something, but pitchers have to deal with all the time. So I'm like, Oh man, maybe, maybe I could come back. And so at the end of the year, I, I, I came back uh, a miracle. I thought I was just going to go on a rehab assignment, make one or two starts, you know, get, get out of there, tip the hat, say thanks or whatever. 
And I go in, I'm pitching against the Dodgers at home, and I threw six shutout innings against the Dodgers. And for whatever reason, my mind went from this was the last start of my career to holy crap, I might be able to still do this. And it gave me such an internal drive because I'm, I'm motivated more than anything in my life by someone telling me I can't do something. And so I find ways for that to be a motivating factor, even when people didn't even say it, you know, I'll create it. Oh, he's too old. Oh, you think I'm too old? And the guy's like, what? I just ordered my breakfast. I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, and I'll put it on that. I'll put it on reporters sometimes that they'll ask me a question. I'll be like, oh, is that right? You don't think I can do it? And they're like, that's not what I said. So I, I kind of do that sometimes. But I created this narrative in my head where they don't think I could come back. They think I'm broken and that like because everywhere I go in the city, people are going, hey, man, thanks for the memories. You know, it's mm. been great. It's been great. It's been a good run. You know, and they were right. <laughs> it was it was a good run and it, and it was probably needed to be over. But once I started hearing that now with this new mindset, I go, I got people to prove wrong. And so uh, I told Mo, I mean, you know, I, I couldn't wait. I, 30 minutes after the season, I was ready to sign a contract. I don't care. 50 bucks. You know, I want to come back and I want to prove that I can still do this. And I pitched OK in 19. And really from the second half of 19 on, my elbow stopped hurting completely. Um. And the new mechanics kind of set in and I, I had, I changed my diet completely. I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't mention the, the incredible work that all our staff did to help me get back. I mean, our nutritionists, our trainers, our strength trainers, everybody put so much time and effort into getting me back. It's crazy. You know, I changed my diet completely. I stopped eating for 18 months. I didn't eat any gluten, dairy, sugar, or processed foods of any kind. Oh I changed my workout completely. I changed my, my conditioning program completely because if I wanted to keep doing it, I had to change. Yeah. If I didn't change, I'm out of the game. So here we are four years later, still playing the game. Makes absolutely no sense to me other than I've got incredible people working around me and, and uh, just been incredibly blessed to be able to, and fortunate to be able to go out there and do this still. Well, we're about a month plus into the baseball season, but you know what never goes out of style? That special moment with that someone special in your life. And of course, when it's time for you to step up to the plate, you have got to be Roman ready. So I want you to head on over to GetRoman.com. You're going to use the code word ROSE. So it's GetRoman.com slash ROSE. And you'll get a chance to speak to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional if there's any issue with erectile dysfunction. By the way, you're not alone when it comes to that. Did you know that half of the men, 52% of men ages 40 to 70 deal with some form of erectile dysfunction? So listen, it happens. Don't sit in the corner and just say, okay, well, I guess that part of my life is over. Nah, you want to get treated. You want to get the information you need. And if you need medication, it'll get sent right to your home. This is the great thing about GetRoman.com slash Rose. You get to talk to the U.S. licensed healthcare professional. They figure out a treatment plan. You don't have to head to an office. You don't have to head to a pharmacy. You get everything you need on your phone and medication sent to your house so that you can get back in the ball game. On top of everything else, I want to save you some dough. You're going to get 15% off of your first month of ED treatment. Yeah, 15 bucks off your first month of ED treatment. Once again, 
It is GetRoman.com slash Rose. Head there today. You'll start feeling much better. And so will that someone special in your life. But there's this other side of it. And listen, you've been in, in the thick of it. I've been on the outside of it. You know, I mean, as media members, we also sacrifice things. But when you're talking about other people at home, that's got a way on you. Like, I'm sure you want to coach your kids teams. You want to be there for the plays. You want to be there for the musicals. You want to be there when they just need you. Yep. How did you balance that part of it? Um, so that, and that's still a thing, right? I mean, that's, that's still a thing. And, <clears throat> and playing as long as I have now, I had my first daughter. She, she was six weeks old. <clears throat> Excuse me. She was six week old on the World Series celebration stage, you know, and so she's in high school now. And high school is different. High school drama is different and high school functions are different. Activities are different and friends groups are different and priorities are different. And you remember being in high school, Chris. High school is like every single thing that happens is the most important thing that's ever happened in the world, you know. Yep. And if you, if you, if you miss one dance, it's going to be the end of the world. And if you, if you are late to one party, it's the end of the world. And it, it, my friends are never going to talk to me again. And it's just, just like, it's just a really big deal. And I remember being there so I can understand it. Um, and so that, that is really weighing on me. So I got kids from 15 to three, 15, 13, 10, six, and three years old. <clears throat> and, uh, four different schools. So like high school, I got two, I got one in, in middle school, I got two in elementary and I got one in preschool. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but here's the thing. They love being in St. Louis. They love being in Florida. They love being in Georgia, but now they're starting to get more plugged into their friends groups at home. Now they're starting to get more plugged into activities. And, and like probably the last year or two, as they've gotten older, it's been really hard on my wife to uh, to be able to get them to all the different places they want to go to. You know, when I was growing up, <clears throat> there was no limits on, hey, you want to play basketball, baseball, football, soccer, play them all, play as many as you want, play everything. Mm -hmm. But my wife and I kind of had to be like, all right, he's in San Francisco. So, uh, girls, if, do you want to play basketball or volleyball this year? Or do you want to play soccer or whatever? And I don't want them to do oars anymore, you know, so – um, we do have some help now. Finally, we, we did hire a nanny. My wife was doing it by herself and we hired a, a, a wonderful uh, girl named Meredith, who's um, a game changer completely. But I don't want everybody else raising my kids either. So it is a thing. I, I still love pitching. Um, it's a really long answer to your question. I understand. I still love pitching. Uh, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do for a profession in my whole life. I mean, you know, since I was three years old, if, if preschool teacher or elementary or middle or anybody who ever asked me, well, what do you want to do? I want to be a big league pitcher. That's all I wanted to do. Maybe, maybe I might've added, uh, maybe play center field also, but, um, <laughs> I always wanted to be a big league pitcher, you know, and it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And I'm getting to do that. I'm getting to live that out. I'm getting to see these stadiums. Like we talked about, I'm getting to do these old man walks. I'm getting to play the best golf courses in the, you know, in the world. I mean, I, I love playing all these great golf courses, getting to visit some of these cities, eat some of the best food in the world. Um, so there's a lot of things to love. There's a lot of things um, that, that 
that make it hard. And the main, the main thing that I haven't mentioned yet is we have a rule that we're getting a dog for the kiddos as soon as I retire, but not until then, because we already got five dogs to take care of, you know, so not real dogs, kids. Oh God, don't do that. I thought I was <laughs> going five kids and five dogs. Holy smokes. You had your own no. zoo. No, well, we got five kids and, and adding a puppy to the mix is like adding yeah. another kid. Yeah. So, so, um, they're ready to have a dog. I'm ready for them to have a dog too, you know? So, um, it's a conversation. We still, I still have so much fun pitching, but my family is, uh, is definitely more important. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know what, I, it's a long answer, but I don't know what's going to happen, but, um, I, I definitely want them to be comfortable with whatever it is. Baseball fans slide into stacks of cash this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during MLB season? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code ROSE, and bet just $5 and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens on the field. That's promo code ROSE at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and it'll be trademarks used with permissions. You're in a uh, special place right now in San Francisco. The first pitch you ever saw as a major league hitter left the yard in this building. You know, you're right. one, I think you're one of, at the time, one of 22 players in the history of the sport who went, yeah, yeah, on the first pitch you ever saw. Do you, please tell me you still have that baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I still tell everybody in the in the uh, dugout about it every time they have a first at bat. <laughs> Somebody, you know, Paul DeYoung hit a home run his first at bat. Um. Miles Michaelis got a hit, got a home run in his first hit, but not his first at bat. But Paul is the only one in there that got a home run in his first at bat. And, and uh, I'll let them know as soon as they get back, you know, they, they, maybe they hit a single or something. I'm like, Oh, that's cute. That's not bad. You know, that's, I mean, I would have gone deep, but whatever, you know, and, and everybody's like, uh, but um, you know, what's funny about that story is it was a bullpen day. I, I pitched the second, the second, I was the second guy to pitch. Brad Thompson started. I came in behind and pitched the middle three innings, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Tony LaRusa, after my second inning, comes to me and says, hey, we're going to pinch it for you. That's good. Good job, whatever. I said, no problem. I'm sitting on the bench, and he comes to me like two minutes later, and he says, actually, I need you to get one more inning. Um, so, like, you're up to bat. So I ran over, and I grabbed whoever's – batting gloves it was the first ones I could find threw a helmet on really quick grabbed my bat went up there no practice swings or anything since spring training and hit the first pitch I saw out out of the park and there's no way that I do that if I got time you know to put the donut on and really start thinking about my approach and all that kind of stuff there's no way I hit that ball out it was because I didn't have any time to think and get in my own way that that worked it's pretty good it's pretty good I gotta be honest with you it ain't bad. By the way, it wasn't first at it was first pitch that you yeah. saw. First pitch from Noah Lowry. Well, if you're gonna do it, don't waste any time, you know. Yeah. You got 10 show homers, which ain't bad. Davis, 
Yeah, 10. I mean, but I took the last few years off too. That you're like, you got 10 homers? I'm like, I know, but I should have like 15 or 20. But it's my, I'm not recognizing spin so much anymore as I used to. One of your buddies, uh, who's a fellow pitcher in the National League, pretty good hitting pitcher, Madison Bumgarner. Please tell me. I know you have a good relationship. Please tell me you texted him after Dan Bellino gave him the manicure the other day. I did. I did. And so here I'm at a crossroads because um, I have a big opinion on this, but um, I'm also still an active pitcher. So I have to be very conscious of, of not taking off umpires. So umpires are great. They, they, they're great. But I have to say, I understand uh, Madison standing up for himself in that situation. That was a very interesting situation. Well, but please, at least in your text, tell me that you talked a little crap to him in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I said, you know, he's like he was trying to bay you. Right. And he goes, yeah, but I couldn't help myself because I kind of lost it. And I said, really? I said, you're usually so even killed in those situations. (laughs) 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 And he just he just did like the crying emoji, laugh out loud or whatever a million times. But, yeah, that's a big felt. That is a big, strong fella. yeah, I'm glad they had three or four guys in front of him. He's a big fella. It would take a lot to take him down. So I've I've always had an interesting relationship with him, you know, because I, I covered their three World Series championships in 10, 12, and 14. Every time I'd see him, he'd, he'd always give me the – first of all, if you've never seen Madison Bumgarner up close, he is just a literally a mountain of a man. Yeah. Big, like huge forearms. He's just big. He's got the beard and the intimidating eyes. He'd always come over and shake my hand and be like, hey, Chris. Like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he looks like like he could be a serial killer that lives in a tree with that beard these days. He just he plays it up. But man, oh, man, I imagine you had a blast when you used to face off against him, too. Well, everybody thinks that I'm him, uh, which is hilarious. You know, I I go into the Atlanta um, airport bathroom and and the the guy who's in in there or whatever, cleaning it up, looked at me and goes, Madison Bumgarner. I was like, no, not even close. <laughs> Ten years older than that guy. Do you but, think that is a compliment or no? But you know, it ha- It's how about this one? I'm in the, uh, I'm in the line at Universal Studios. I don't remember which line it was, but standing in front of me is Annika Sorenstam. Great one, Annika Sorenstam and her, and her husband are right there, right in front of me. And I'm, I turn around to Jenny and I go, "Hey, this is." This is like the greatest ladies golfer to ever live. She's incredible. This is, this girl's a legend right here. You know, just trying not to bother. I'm not going to bother. Whatever. Well, her husband, who I think is her, uh, her manager turns around and goes, Hey man, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I was like, of me? Like I'm a huge fan. He goes, yeah, I've been watching the giants for a while. You know, you pitch so great in the postseason. I'm like, yeah, I'm not mad. <laughs> you but, thought you yeah. had it that is, that's a great one yeah oh, i like that uh growing up in georgia huge braves fan this is going to pain me even to go here in 1995 but since you're old enough to remember it you must have been a teenager when they wanted it all right yep so were you like one of those cry your eyes out dance around the house so what do you remember most about that not crying my eyes out, but I was going crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, so I, I mean, since I was three years old, I was wearing a Dale Murphy jersey, you know, wherever I could, number three, man, wherever I could wear it, I was wearing my Dale Murphy jersey. And then 
you know, had Ozzy Virgil and, and uh, Lonnie Smith. And I met Lonnie Smith at the Atlanta. Um, I'm from South Georgia and I went up to see my cousins one time in Atlanta and uh, went to the mall and Lonnie Smith was sitting at the, at the, uh, at the delicatessen. Remember like, it was like back in the day they had like, uh, what were those things called? Uh, like a, not kind of like a Piccadilly or something like that. He was sitting mm-hmm. in there eating um, with somebody and I, I met Lonnie Smith and I'll never forget that. He was so nice. He signed an autograph for me. And then, uh, you know, just growing up watching that team, they were not good, but that, that they were my team. We loved them. You know, the South Georgia, Georgia, especially just so loyal to the Braves. It's crazy. And, uh, and then when they got really good, you know, when, when they traded for Smoltz and they got Glavin in there and Maddox in there and all of a sudden Steve Avery pops on the scene, 1991, he was the kid in NLCS MVP, um, throwing that big curveball, and he was left-handed. My brother was left-handed. It was my mentor. And I just thought, you know, Steve Avery, the coolest guy ever. And watching them go from worst to first. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of close calls with the, with the Twins and the Blue Jays. Um, and then finally being able to get over the hump at 95 against Cleveland. That was a great lineup Cleveland had out there too. Gosh, yeah. what a, what an incredible team. Um, but, but that Braves team was, was special. You know, Dave justice was on that team, never missed the playoffs in his whole career. What an amazing, I mean, we used to do everything like all the Braves guys, right? Like we, we'd catch our, 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 our catches in center field, like down here by our chest, like Andre Jones and, you know, we'd, we'd, I used to do the check swing. I'd do the check swing and drop the bat like David Justice would do. Um, we used to do all that stuff. Ronnie Gant. I mean, how fun was that team? They were just great. I, I, I was. I, there, there's never been a bigger Braves fan than I was growing up. How'd you find out you got drafted by him? Um, so, sitting back then, there was a dial-up. You know, you had the dial-up internet, and it wasn't. There wasn't these big showcase shows like there is now, which would have been so cool, but there wasn't that. Um, I was, I, on draft day, like the two weeks leading up to the draft, I went from being around a second or third round pick. I played, I played really well down the stretch on the season and then played really well in the all-star showcases right before the draft. And then, so then I find like, find out I'm, I'm, I may be like a, a supplemental type pick and the blue Jays were really looking at me and the, the pirates were really looking at me. And then I, I get word that the Braves might be looking at me, but they're going after this other guy named Dustin McGowan. And so they're trying to decide whether they want Dustin or me. And, uh, and then I get a, I get a call. Um, if you get past the pirates at 19, the Braves are picking at 29. There's 10 picks in there. And then I get a call saying, Hey, if you're still there at 29, the Braves are going to pick you. And I'm, and I'm sitting in a, in a, in our room with my entire community in there with me. I got my girlfriend sitting next to me, who's now my wife. I got my brother and my mom, obviously, but my entire neighborhood is in the room and out in the yard and everybody is waiting to see what's going to happen. And then when I, I told them like, Hey, that, that was the Braves. They said, if I'm there at 29, they're going to take. Me. So then, you know, it gets to the, it gets to the call and then we're listening to it on the radio with the 29th pick the Atlanta Braves you're doing the dial-up and i'm like what is going on and it goes uh the atlanta braves select right-handed pitcher and i'm like please say my name it's like adam wainwright and i'm telling you everybody went absolutely 
berserk. We didn't hear anything else. I just remember I just started like, I put my head down and just started going crazy. And the, it, it was like a bomb went off outside the, the house. You know, like we had, we had a block party for the rest of the day out there. It was just a great time. Everybody showed up wearing Braves hats and brought me Braves stickers to the car. Like I was going to just load my, my 89 Jeep Cherokee down with, with uh, Braves decals, but uh, it was just a cool time. And I listen, I appreciate your time. I know we've gone a little long, but I just got a couple more things. Were you crushed the day you got traded then? Well, it's interesting because when I came up with the, with the Braves um, and I was living out my dream, I'm in big league camp with them. I mean, you know, it doesn't get better playing golf with Smolty every single day. And it's the highlight of my life at that point. No, no doubt. Right. Um, but as the seasons kind of wore on, I sort of had a bad reputation for being late and not working hard. And, and I needed a new fresh start. Prospects started to kind of pass me up on the list. There was a pitcher named Bubba Nelson who, who uh, was, was kind of the next guy who was going to get the call. And I was, you know, starting to get passed up by a few other guys. But um, the, the main thing about being traded with, I remember I couldn't be devastated because I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the living room with my future father-in-law <clears throat> and I'm asking him for his permission to marry his daughter. Uh, when the phone call came through that I was being traded. And so my mom's on the phone, she's crying. Dayton Moore's on the phone. He was the Braves, uh, I don't know, head of, head of like minor league stuff or whatever, or maybe vice. I don't know what he was, assistant GM or something. <clears throat> but they're on the phone. And I said, all right, who did I get traded to? St. Louis Cardinals. Great. Okay. That's, that's something that that's important and that's a big thing in my life, but something bigger is going on. I got to get back to this conversation. And my mom's like, Oh my goodness, that's going on right now. I said, yeah, I got to go ask, you know? And then, so then I got to sit down and look at him in the eyes and go like, all right, listen, I know we don't know where I'm going to be. And I know I don't, I'm not in the big leagues yet. And I know blah, blah, blah. And, and so it just added a whole level of, of insecurity to him probably, but we ended up getting married. It was all right. Yeah. I guess it's all worked out. Okay. Not bad. Were you a Falcons fan? Big Falcons fan. Um, uh, still cheer for the Falcons, but we got the the Jaguars in 95, I think 95-ish. Yeah. Um, and I'm living southeast Georgia. So I'm like 45 minutes to an hour from Jacksonville, and I'm oh. five Atlanta. Got it. We started going down to Altel Stadium and watching Jags games when they had the expansion draft. They had Keenan McCardell and Jimmy Smith and Fred Taylor and Mark Brunel and and uh, Tony Baselli, they were like, you know, they were championship team caliber. Yeah, well, AFC championship year two. So, yeah, yeah. right there. So, so right there. I mean, that was so fun for us. You know, all the, the local sports shops and stuff had the Jaguars gear. And, and so we would go down there every now and then. The games were always on TV. So I started cheering for the Jaguars pretty big. Um, but since then, you know, I cheer for a lot of different teams. I cheer for the Green Bay Packers because I went to Lambeau, and that is uh, – an experience like I've never seen before. Um, it was unbelievable. It's one of the highlights of my, my sports watching career. I cheer for the, even, even the Tennessee Titans, even though they're kind of Jaguars, the Jaguars, mm -hmm. like ultimate nemesis. I cheer for them a little bit too. Cause I have a great friend who works in the front office there named Bill Wainwright, who sends me some Titans gear and he's a big Cardinals fan. So I send him Cardinals stuff. He sends me Titans gear. And, and uh, so I, and I'm a huge fantasy football guy, so I, I cheer for I cheer for all the individual players as well. Yeah, well, we have a we have a common friend in Michael Fabiano. Yep, and uh, he says you're pretty good at fantasy football. 
So you're like <laughs> you're like a legit GM when it comes to that stuff, huh? Well, I certainly think I am. You know, I certainly put the time in. Um, Fabs is so mad because he's been in my in my kind of like my home league for the last I don't know five or six years, and he cannot win the thing, and it just drives him crazy. It's so fun to watch. Well, he him. does for a living. I know, and we remind him that every year. We remind him that every year. But uh, yeah, we have fun with it. That's my thing. All right, before we let you go, we spin the wheel of moderately interesting things. Questions aren't too tough. I'm not very smart. Let's see here. The small screen. What is your uh, screensaver on your phone? What's what's the picture? Oh, this is a good one. So this is my pretty wife. Oh yes. With uh, a rainbow trout, we were fly fishing, and she caught a nice, a nice uh, about a 15-inch rainbow there. And so uh, we're at Blackberry Farms right there up in in the in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Tennessee. Uh, just one of the greatest places on earth. If you've never been to Blackberry Farms, you got to take your wife. It's one of the world's greatest places. Some of the best food in the world, but you're fly fishing, kayaking, mountain biking, sitting by the fire, eating s'mores. I mean, you can do whatever you want to in this wonderful place. A five-star spa, it's a great spot, but that's that's my screen ever. Good one. That'll get you some points too on Mother's Day weekend when you're out in, in the Bay Area too. That's it. There she is. That's nice. Hey man, it was great catching up with you. I really appreciate the time. I know everybody's going to love the stories and I, I'm going to keep following you on Twitter to see where, you know, the old man walk takes you next. Yeah, do it. Yeah. I'll keep it interesting. You know, I'm, uh, I'm going to bring some new places into the scene, you know I mean? Like the other day I got in there with the grounds crew and at Bush stadium, never sat in there with them, got to see where their digs are. And those guys are working so hard all the time. Oh, yeah. They're- Incredible. That those fields that we get to play on are remarkable, but it's because those guys spend so much time getting them perfect. I mean, it's really cool. I have one suggestion for you on it. Go be the PA announcer for like a half inning at one of the stadiums. <laughs> How great would that be if your guys are coming up? You'd be like Tyler O'Neill. And he's gonna turn around. He's gonna be like, wait a second. I know that voice. Tyler the bro, bro O'Neill. If he could play without a shirt, would he? Oh, 100%. No doubt. A couple years ago, he hit the walk-off home run or whatever he did, and they somebody yanked his jersey off. He couldn't get that sucker off the fat, you know, faster. <laughs> then he gave it a good flex. He's shredded, though. I would, too. I'd wear my shirt off like, if I looked like that, too. Absolutely. I would never put a shirt on. Even if it was like 12 degrees out, I still wouldn't go. Are you kidding yeah. me? Just yeah. one day, I want to walk around with a body like that and just say – this is me. And by the way, my wife would appreciate it, too. It's like, hey, badass, why don't you get yourself in the gym? Yeah, he works hard at it, though. He's a vegan. You want to go vegan? Oh, yeah, it's not that important to me. Then. See, there you go. Adam, thank you so much. Really, this was a this was a ton of fun for me. Uh, continued health, continued success. I look forward to the time when the Wainwrights get a puppy in their lives. Okay. Yeah, we do too. I appreciate it, brother. Good talk Absolutely. to you, Absolutely. Special shout out to our producer extraordinaire, the one and only Robbie Scirocco. For Adam Wainwright of the St. Louis Cardinals, I'm Chris Rose. We'll see you next time on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.